All right, so today I just want to talk about just addressing the concern that people have when they hear uh, churches talk about wealth. Because, you know, um, I, I totally understand, and at this church we understand that wealth has been spoken of in a terrible way before. You know, there's a lot of uh, preachers out there, and false preachers too, that um, they have said things before just to get people's money, um, and when they teach, it's, it's, you know, their teaching revolves around money rather than revolving around Jesus. Um, and they end up really getting into, whether accidentally or on purpose, um, I, th- I think a lot of it is probably accidental, but they do get into the love of money and stuff like that. And, you know, we are well aware of those type of preachers, and we've heard preaching like that before, and, you know, we've been through this, right? So we're, not, we're no strangers to that. The problem, though, with um, having heard preachers that, teach money incorrectly um, within the church is that what ends up happening, and you may be one of these people, what ends up happening is then we sort of, we hear wealth taught incorrectly. And then whenever we hear the word wealth um, said in any other church, um, this definitely is the, I've known people that sort of take the stance that when you hear the word wealth spoken of in church, despite the fact that the Bible talks about wealth, right? We're going to read some verses in a second. Um, when you hear that word wealth, it's like your antennas go up, and then you immediately lump that person in with all the other people that you've heard teach it incorrectly before. And the reason why that's a problem is because people teach everything in the Bible incorrectly. You know, at one point or another in this world and in the course of human history, people teach salvation wrong. People teach healing wrong. People just teach Jesus wrong in general. And what ends up happening is you throw the baby out with the bathwater, and that term is, you know, most fitting for this particular scenario, um, we throw out the good teaching with the bad teaching just because it's been taught bad before. So ultimately what we need to do is, and I hope that, you know, everyone that's listening, you're the kind of person that says, you know what, I want to hear what God says about this topic, and I'm not going to throw out what God says about a topic just because, you know, Joe Schmo over here taught it wrong. The, the, The reason why that is so incorrect is because, you're not calling balls and strikes. You're not saying, hey, that's bad, that's good. That's not of God, that is of God. Uh, what ends up happening is, the, the second we hear anyone mention wealth, despite the fact that Deuteronomy 8.18 talks about the power to get wealth and some other verses that we're going to talk about, um, the problem is just when we take that and we lump it with everything we've heard before and we weigh even what God may be trying to tell us about wealth, for instance, um, and about money and how to view that correctly in light of Jesus, and we lump it with everybody we've heard before. So I would, I would just um, encourage you, as we go through just a couple points, going to be a quick teaching, just to, again, call balls and strikes. Does the Bible say it, or does the Bible not say it? And just don't lump, um, you know, a church or a teacher or a teaching in with everybody else um, just because you happen to be talking about the same topic, right? It's a matter of teaching the topic correctly teaching in a godly light, and teaching things that are according to Jesus. Um, and so anyway, that, that's what, what I want to show you today. Um, the first point that um, I want to make is, let's just talk about wealth in general. I think the most basic point I can make to you is just talking about wealth in general. People, when they hear the word wealth, again, there's that, that immediate opposition to it. But here's the truth, right? You listening right now, you have wealth. Everybody has wealth. So to say that you don't believe in people having wealth obviously wouldn't be correct. I don't think that anyone, even listening to this right now, could sort of have—anyone listening to this right now has a leg to stand on to say, I don't believe in having wealth, because, I mean, the clothes on your back 
That's wealth. Uh, the money in your bank account, which you do have, is wealth. Uh, food that you eat is wealth. And so if you didn't have wealth, you would have already died. You'd be dead right now if you didn't have wealth. So I think we can all agree on the fact that we agree with the concept of having wealth is a godly thing. Matthew chapter 6 says, your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. So we can't, again, we're not going to dispute with God, right? Wealth has been taught wrong before, but we're not going to dispute with God when he says he knows you need these things. And he's talking about wealth there. So you have wealth right now. Um, God knows that you need wealth right now. So we're going to be in agreement with God here and say, yes, Lord, I agree with you that right now, I need these things. Wealth is something that is required, right? Um, Physical things is something that is needful for me. The only question you have to ask, because it's not a question of whether you have wealth or whether you don't have wealth. Everybody has wealth. Everybody has wealth. Like I said, you would have died already if you didn't have wealth. The question is not do you have wealth or do you believe in the concept of having wealth. The question is who got that wealth for you? That ultimately is the question to answer um, first. Seeing as you have wealth, because you do, who got that wealth for you? Because your options here are either you trusted in man, trusted in yourself to get it for yourself, or you trusted in the Lord to add all these things to you. Those are your options. You don't have any other options than that. You can either trust the Lord for wealth and for him to add all these things to you, the way that uh, Matthew 6.33 says, or you can trust the might of your own hand to get it for you. And if until now, you may not have realized this, but if until now you've been the kind of person that says um, sort of erroneously, oh, I don't believe in having wealth, or I don't believe that God adds wealth to people, well, you know what you've been doing all this time then, seeing as you have wealth, you clearly haven't been trusting the Lord for it, so you've been getting it yourself. And that, those are, those are the, um, the only two options that you're that you're left with. There's not a, some kind of happy medium here where you can say, I don't believe that God you know, has provided me wealth, but at the same time, I haven't been trusting my own hand and my own might. That, 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 the truth is, when you don't trust the Lord to add all these things to you, if you don't see the Lord as someone that will add all these things to you and someone that you can trust in for that, your only other option is, well, I need to get it for myself. And if you read Deuteronomy 8.18, it says it so clearly. It's actually verse 17. Deuteronomy 8, 17, it just says, Then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. It's then you shall remember. He's correcting them, you know, uh, advising against saying that their power and the might of their hand have, have gained them this wealth. Um, in verse 18, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. And so those are your options. You can either trust the Lord to get you wealth in this world, which you do have wealth, or you can get it for yourself. You can do it by the might and the power of your own hand and add these things to yourself. Um, and so, it, again, it's not a question of whether you have wealth or whether you don't. It's a, there are people, though, that either trust themselves to get wealth in this world, and there are people that look to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe that you're the one that gives me the power to get wealth, and I put my trust in you for that. Um, but if that's not you, if you're not the kind of person that has ever looked at the Lord and said, you're the one that is able to get me power to get wealth, um, if that's not you, if, you're not, if you don't believe in that prosperity stuff, meaning that you, just, you don't trust the Lord to get you wealth, well, you know what? You've been doing this entire time is you've been getting it for yourself, and that's an evil thing. That's a thing that God does not advocate. 
that you trusting in the, in the power and might of your own hand. The Bible says, curse is the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. And if you, don't, if you don't trust the Lord to get you wealth, then you must be trusting in somebody to get you that wealth because you have wealth. So it's just who got it for you. Who got you that wealth? You have it. Who got it for you? And the truth is, like I said before, if, if, if you haven't been trusting the Lord and seeing him as the one that gets you uh, wealth in this world um, because we don't want to believe in that prosperity stuff, then you know, you've thrown yourself into a really dangerous position, in a position where you're not trusting the Lord for wealth in this world, but you've been trusting the might of your own hand. And, uh, you know, you're the one that has added these things to yourself rather than the Lord adding these things to you. So, again, so I think right now, just from making that point, we can agree that, one, we all have wealth. That's a, that's a truth. Two, we should be trusting the Lord to get us this wealth because your only other option is to trust yourself. And we know that, again, curse is the man who trusts in man. So I don't think that anyone can dispute with those two points. One, you have wealth, and the Bible says you need it. Two, is that, would you rather trust the Lord for it? Seek his kingdom and his righteousness and have him add these things to you? Or would you rather, rather trust yourself for these things? And the Bible says, curse is the man who trusts in man. You get to choose which side you're on, but seeing as you have wealth right now, up until this point, you've been doing one or the other. You've been trusting the Lord with it, seeing the Lord as the one that adds it, or you've been trusting yourself. So, uh, again, those are the options, and I think that we can all agree, hopefully, hopefully we can all agree that we should be trusting the Lord for the wealth, because seeing as you need it, <laughs> right, there's no one that can say, oh, I don't, I don't need wealth. You do need it. You do have it. Hopefully we can all agree here that we should be trusting the Lord for these things, right, not, not trusting the might of our own hand. Um, so, I think this sort of leads into a secondary point, which someone might say then to that, well, okay, Pastor Mike, if you're calling this wealth what I have on my back, what I, the food I eat, then fine. I agree with the concept of having wealth. I just don't agree with this excessive wealth that people talk about, right? Because I think that's where it gets more into the realm of, you know, where people are, people start questioning the doctrine, right? When you start talking about excessive wealth. Okay, Pastor Mike, I agree, though, that God will meet my needs. I agree with that kind of wealth. God will meet all my needs. He'll meet the needs of my family. But this excessive wealth that people talk about, that's the part I don't agree with. And that may be you right now. You may be saying, well, that's me. Yeah, that, that's the part I don't agree with. This excessive wealth that people teach on, that God's going to make me excessively wealthy, you know, that, that, that is the part that's no good. First of all, obviously, there's the immediate point that that's kind of a weird thing to say, first of all, because think about this for a second. If you want to give, how are you going to give if you don't have excessive wealth? Because when you don't have excessive wealth, the only way for you to give is to be taking food out of your children's mouths or just to be constantly giving the clothes off your own back to somebody else. If, if, if you just have your needs met, what are you giving? That's not a sustainable way to give. Because if you only have your needs met, again, you have to be taking food out of your children's mouth to actually even give at church or give to a charity or give to somebody else in need. The truth is what the Bible says is that you can't give unless you have an excess of wealth. Because obviously your needs need to be met. Again, like I said before, you would die without your needs met, physically speaking. So you do need an excess, a surplus of wealth to be able to give. And when people say, well, I just, you know, God will just meet my needs, sort of like bare minimum. That's what I agree with. That at, least, at least I know I trust God to meet my needs, but I, I'm not into that excess stuff. Well, then you can't give. If you don't believe in excessive wealth, you can't give. You can't do good works with your money then 
because you can only give your excess. The Bible actually says this. It says um, in uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and just so you know, the context of this chapter is he's talking about um, the Corinthians giving of their finances, and, uh, uh, and you can see that from verse 5. It's very clear. 2 Corinthians 9, 5 talks about uh, Paul talking about them giving financially uh, to the saints. And then in verse 8, it says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance. And that word abundance means exactly what you would think it means. It means an abundance, an excess, a surplus. So you can have an abundance for every good work. The good works in context that he's talking about here is them giving financially to the saints. And what he says here is that God is able to make his grace abound to you so that you always having all sufficiency in all things, that means your needs being met and, you know, for your use, that you would be satisfied financially yourself, you always having all sufficiency in all things, may then have an abundance, an excess for every good work. How in the world do we ever think that we're going to be able to give to a ministry, that we're going to be able to support the gospel, that we're going to be able to give to a brother who's in need if we don't have excessive wealth. When you fight the concept of, it, of excess wealth, mean, and what do I mean by excess? I mean above what you need, above what you're using for your needs. If you fight against that, seeing as the Bible says that abundance of wealth or an abundance and excess is used for every good work, when you fight against excessive wealth, you're fighting against good works. Because again, what are you going to give? See, and uh, God forbid we would ever say that God doesn't want us to give. Hopefully, you would never say God doesn't want you to give at church. Hopefully, you, you would never say that God doesn't want you to be generous with your finances, with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and even with the world, with the poor. How are you going to do that? How do you accomplish that? You see a brother in need that, you know, he's behind on his rent. How are you going to pay his rent? Are you going to not pay your rent so you can pay his rent? That wouldn't be right. Are you going to, again, take food out of your children's mouth to feed somebody else? So now you're not feeding your children, which we know that's not right. The Bible says if you don't take care of your own household, how are you going to take care of the household of God? So you see, of course you need excess. This cannot be argued that excessive wealth is evil because giving would not be possible if you did not have an excess or a surplus of wealth. That's just the way that it is. Um, and you may say, okay, you know what, I, I see what you're saying there, Pastor Mike, so clearly, hopefully by this point, we're, we're starting to be won over by the fact that, yeah, excessive wealth, meaning more wealth than I need for my own use, God needs to give me excessive wealth if he wants me to give. Doesn't that just kind of make sense? And by virtue of the fact that the Bible says that our excess and our abundance is for every good work, you may not agree with this, but the more excess and abundance that you actually have, therefore, the more you can give. People don't register that. People don't think about that. Because again, ultimately, it ends up being a selfish thing. When we believe God for wealth, it's only ever to do with our needs many times. We're not believing the Lord for an excess because remember, you can only give your excess, your surplus. Again, unless you would kill yourself if you always gave out of your need. Ultimately, you'd, you'd run out pretty quick. Excess, the surplus above what you need, is how God wants us to be able to give, which is what 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says. Wouldn't you, you know, would you rather come to church and have your need just barely met and you got a tiny little bit left over to give 10 bucks at church? Or would you rather come to church and say, hey, you know what? I have an excess of wealth. What do you need, church? What, what is it that this charity needs? Do you need this? You, oh, you need a new furnace? Oh, you need to pay the rent here? You need, what, wouldn't you rather give like that? 
wouldn't you actually be able to give generously because you're not living on such thin margins? Again, the Bible says abundance is for every good work. You can only give out of your surplus. If you disagree with excessive wealth, you disagree with good works because you cannot give unless you have a surplus. You simply can't. That's what the Bible says. Um, So it's very important for us to understand that. The last point I want to make to you, which is really probably one of the, the bigger points, right? People have this idea of God that when it comes to receiving from God, that, you know, well, I just believe that God makes certain people wealthy and certain people poorer, and it's just all up to God's plan, all up to God's will. And, you know, you would be surprised at how pervasive that concept is that when it comes to receiving from God, whether that's healing or whether that's, you know, wisdom or whether that's uh, even power to get wealth like we're talking about today, people's idea is that, well, fine, Pastor Mike, I can see that territory to you, you know, uh, I, I'll agree with you that that's how wealth can be used in this world, but that I'm not. how do you know, though, Pastor Ray, that that's God's will for everybody? That is probably one of the biggest points that I have heard when talking about money or wealth or any of this stuff that I just named to you is, well, I don't believe it's for everybody. And here, here's the point that I just want to make here. I'm not going to be able to do this, you know, complete justice because it's a, it's a larger point. Um, but when it comes to men in the Bible, right, uh, I'm not saying that we have to measure our inheritance and what we have in Christ by what other people receive, but when it comes to men like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that you see were wealthy, God made them wealthy. Abraham knew that God had made him wealthy. When you see men like Solomon, who were so excessively wealthy, the Bible says that uh, he made stones, or excuse me, silver as plenteous as stones in Israel. You see Job, who the Bible says was the wealthiest man in the East. And that's before even God doubled his wealth at the end of that book. So this was something that was of God's doing. Even just taking that that chapter in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8, that I just read to you, that speaks about how God gave Israel the power to get wealth and to multiply their possessions. Um, Even in the blessings of Deuteronomy, I believe it's Deuteronomy chapter 28, the blessings of Deuteronomy, God says, I will make you plenteous in goods. Uh, You've got Proverbs 10.22, that says it's the blessing of the Lord that makes a man rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. And for instance, just even that, that verse right there is certainly talking about physical riches. The blessing of the Lord makes a man physically rich. He adds no sorrow to it. And you know it's talking about physical riches, by the way, as a rabbit trail, because First uh, Timothy chapter 6 says that it's only physical wealth that typically comes with sorrow when you seek it. So that's why when God says, I'll make you rich and I won't add sorrow to it, He's referring to physical riches there, because physical riches, again, according to 1 Timothy, does come with sorrows when you seek it. So anyway, you've got all these verses, and you see these men of God that God made wealthy, and you see Israel, uh, God telling them, I gave you the power to get wealth. Um, This is the point that I make to so many people, and I, I need to make this to you, and you need to answer this question very, very carefully, all right? When you see all these men in the Bible that were made wealthy, and I know that not every man in the Bible was wealthy, I I totally understand that. But the people that God made wealthy and said, I gave you the power to get wealth, how did they receive that? How did they receive that power to get wealth? Was that provided by Jesus, or did they receive it through some other way? You need to answer that question, answer it very carefully, because we have a skewed view of receiving from God. Just think about that and meditate on that just for a second. Just take Solomon, for instance, the wealthiest king of Israel that ever lived. Did he receive that power to get wealth through Jesus because Jesus provided it? Or did he receive that through some other way? 
Just meditate on that for a second. Think about that and be very careful how you answer that in your own heart right now. When Solomon was made wealthy, as a for instance, was he made wealthy through the atonement of Jesus because Jesus provided the power to get wealth? Or was he made wealthy some other way? Here's the truth. We have a view that God can just make someone wealthy and make somebody poor, and it's like, hey, I want you to have the power to wealth, but I just don't want you to have the power to get wealth. The only reason why we can maintain that kind of erroneous thinking, that that's how receiving from God works, is because we're not thinking in accordance with Jesus. Because here's how receiving from, from God actually works. If you didn't already know, we can't receive from God except that Jesus provided it. We say in the church we believe that Jesus is the only way, but we don't really believe that. Because when men receive the grace of God, for instance, Solomon, when he received the grace of God to be so abundant in wealth, when he received the power of God to be abundant in wealth, when Israel received that power to get wealth that we just read about a second ago, to get wealth, our impression is that they just received the power to God just out of God's will. He just said, you know what? Solomon, Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I want you guys to have the power to get wealth, and maybe other people I don't. But here's the problem with that. Whenever we see somebody receiving from God, our first thought needs to be, you know what? Jesus had to have provided that. Because if Jesus didn't provide it, seeing as men need a mediator between them and God to receive from God, Solomon could not have received power from God to get wealth, except Jesus provided it and he believed it. Um, this is in the Bible, just so you know. And if you recognize, this is actually how you got saved. Jesus had to provide it, and you had to believe it. And that's the only reason why you receive salvation. And just so you know, that principle is the only reason why anyone receives anything from God. Uh, and you can see it right here, Romans 5.2. It says, through whom, and that whom is talking about Jesus. Through Jesus also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. It says that it's through Jesus that we have access into the grace of God when we believe him. Let me say that one more time. This verse says that it's through Jesus and Jesus alone, because he is the only way to receive from the Father. This verse says that it's only through Jesus that any sinful or undeserving man has the ability to receive the grace of God. Men, if you didn't know this already, men can't receive from a holy God. Undeserving man, that's you and me. Undeserving man can't receive from a holy God except Jesus pay the price for that man. If Jesus didn't provide something, you can't receive it. And on the flip side, you can't receive any of the grace of God unless Jesus provided it. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. You see, we practice this concept of, oh, Jesus, I need you, Jesus. I need you for everything. And when we first get saved, we say, Father, it's not by my works, but I just put faith in Jesus, and Jesus is my Savior. So Jesus, thank you for providing salvation, and we believe this, right? And, and we'd be right to believe this, that when I put faith in Jesus, when I believe on Jesus, it's only through him, he's the only way, only then can I receive salvation. But then when we, when we see all these men all over the Bible receiving the grace of God, receiving the power of God to wealth, to healing, for wisdom, whatever it is, we assume erroneously, that all that grace somehow was received apart from Jesus having provided it. So this thought that, oh, wealth isn't for everybody, or wealth isn't really a part of the atonement of Jesus, is so deeply erroneous. It's so, so deeply wrong. And I'm not saying you've intended on being that wrong, but trust me, it is very wrong 
to see a man like Solomon or Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob or Job or anybody or Israel or Moses or anyone receive anything from God. Wisdom that Solomon received, strength that Samson received, the parting of the Red Sea, protection like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego received, or any man of God, any grace that any man has ever received from God, seeing as Jesus is the only access to the grace of God through faith in him, here's what I know. If I see someone receive something good from God, because obviously God could have judged all of us if he really wanted to without Jesus, but because we were deserving of that, thank God he didn't want to do that. But God can't communicate good things, his grace and his power, to mankind except Jesus Christ provided it. Because again, if you didn't know, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only access into the grace of God. So why should I be surprised when I see Solomon receive the grace of God to wealth, or when I see Israel receive the power of God to wealth, why should anyone be surprised when I tell you that's something Jesus provided? If Israel really received this power to get wealth, or Solomon received this power to get wealth through some other means besides Jesus' provision, if you were to look at that and say, well, that's not part of the atonement, Pastor Mike. Okay, let's go there. That's not part of the atonement. Well, had they received it from God? Had an undeserving Solomon, sinful Solomon, received from a holy God this power, if you're saying it wasn't included in the atonement of Jesus, that is a challenge that you need to be so very careful with how you approach that challenge. Because, man, if I know that Jesus is the only access to the grace of God, when I see the grace of God being received, you know what I know? That was through Jesus. That's so simple. That's stupid simple. That is so very simple. And we don't get that in the church today. If I see someone receive the power of God, I don't have to ask where it came from. He couldn't receive it if it wasn't provided by Jesus. Because I don't believe, personally, you may believe this, I don't believe that man can receive from a holy God except through a mediator. That's not what I believe. I believe Jesus is the only way, and no one comes to the Father except through him. I believe Romans 5, 2, that Jesus is the only access into the grace of God, and that with our faith in him, by the way. So when I see grace being received by somebody, I don't care what it is, power to anything, to any feat, for any protection from God, I don't look at that and say, well, that's a one-off miracle, Pastor Mike. That just happened for Solomon. That's not really a part of the atonement. That's not really for everybody. It's not like Jesus provided that. I don't think that way because I believe Jesus is the only way. If you believe that Solomon received power to get wealth and it wasn't included in the atonement of Christ, you believe that Solomon received by another way. You believe there's a different way to receive from God besides Jesus. In my mind, in, in, in the mind of God from Scripture, there is no other way to receive from God. So when you see someone receiving from God, you know what you know? I know what way it came through. If there was only one way to your house, only one way to get to your house, and someone pulls up in your driveway, if you really believe there was only one way to get to your house, wouldn't you already know how they got there? Wouldn't you already know, oh, I, I know how you got here because there's only one way to get here. <laughs> and if we really believe Jesus was the only way to receive the grace of God and the power of God, if we really believe Jesus was the only way for us to access the Father and all that he has, when you see someone accessing the power of God like Israel, you'd know how they got there. You'd know, hey, that's a part of the atonement. And it's no wonder that right after that verse that we read, actually it's in the same verse, in Deuteronomy 8.18, you'll notice, he says, it's the Lord your God that gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore with your fathers. That's talking about the covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Power to get wealth is a part of the covenant. It's a part of the New Testament. And you may say, well, he didn't say that. He said the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob believed in Jesus. They, were, they abided by the new covenant. That's why in the book of Galatians, it says that we, even as New Testament believers, are blessed with believing Abraham. You know what that means? It means Abraham received from God the same way we received from God. We got the same covenant with God that Abraham had. It's the same covenant. Abraham just looked forward to the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in, in John chapter 8, Abraham rejoiced to see the day of Jesus. So G Abraham was believing on Jesus while he was still afar off. We, on the other hand, are believing on, on Jesus looking backwards. But we're believing on the same Jesus. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, that power to get wealth isn't some fluke thing that God does for one person and not another. He makes it very clear it's a covenant thing. It's something that he provided to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not just because he favored them or they were special or they did some kind of work that God just admired. It was a covenant thing. He said it was a part of my covenant that I made with Abraham. What covenant was that? A covenant in which Abraham looked forward and believed in Jesus. He believed on that seed, that descendant that was about to come after him in Genesis chapter 15. It's a covenant thing. It's not a fluke thing. It's not a here, there, and not over here type of thing. Power to get wealth or, or when it comes to healing for our bodies or, or the res resurrection of the dead for that matter or, any, or wisdom from God, any power or grace of God cannot be received by man except Jesus Christ provide it. If you contradict that statement, I'm not mad at you and God's not mad at you, but you believe there's another way to receive from the Father besides Jesus then. At this church, at Reformed Church, in my own mind and in, in, in Scripture, in every book of Scripture, if someone received the grace of God, we know exactly how they did that. Jesus had to have provided it, and they had to have believed it. Period. For you to look at wealth in someone's life, or God's power working in somebody's life to get them wealth, and to assume that that was not provided by Jesus, well, they certainly received the power of God. So which way are you believing in that they received that power? It, it, it is a, a terrible, terrible thing, the state of mind that the church is in today, that we can see the grace of God being received by somebody, and we just assume that was just by God's sovereignty. You know what? God's sovereignty never said, I am the way. God is sovereign, but he needs to be just. And that's why he sent his son for man to receive through, through that son. God's sovereignty is not the way to receive from him. He provided a way by his sovereignty. That would be Jesus Christ. And that doesn't just go for when you got saved. Unfortunately, that's the only time we apply it as believers. Jesus was good enough to be your mediator to receive your initial salvation, but it seems in the church that every other bit of the grace of God that we begin to receive and every bit of power that we receive in our life after that is somehow received by some other means, by some other way, but no, Pastor Mike, it wasn't provided by the atonement of Jesus. Um, I just want to leave you with one last thought. Colossians 2.6 says, as, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You know what that means? The same way that you got saved and received Jesus, he's telling you need to walk by those same principles. That's what Paul is saying there. The same way that you received Christ Jesus initially, so walk in him. Live your life by those same principles. Well, let's go back to, just in closing here, let's go back to how you received Christ Jesus. How did you receive him? Well, Jesus provided that salvation because God so loved you that he sent his only begotten son. And then, whosoever believes on him 
would not perish. That's what saved you. That's how you received Christ Jesus the Lord. The Son of God provided it, that salvation, and you had to believe it. And all who called upon the name of the Lord would be saved. You needed to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as being your Lord, and that saved you. There was a provision of Jesus, and you, it was of necessity you needed to believe on him. That's the, and it, Paul's saying, you know what? The principles that saved you, that's how you live your life. It's not, well, let's see what the will of God is. Am I going to be wealthy or not? Am I going to be healed or not? You didn't practice that hopefully when you got saved. Otherwise, you're not saved. You didn't just throw your hands up and say, hopefully I'm saved. I don't know. You would say, no, I believe on Jesus Christ. He came and provided salvation. He's my Savior, and I believed on him. Thank God. That's a great principle. How about we do that for everything? How about we walk and live in those principles, which means if I want to receive anything from God, I need to believe on the Christ who provided it, and I need to believe it. And therefore, only then can I receive it. Because we think we're very wise when we look at other people in the Bible and we say, oh, but Pastor Mike, not everybody was rich. So many people were poor, Pastor Mike. This is like our very astute and wise, you know, all-knowing uh, uh, um, observation of Scripture that, oh, what about so-and-so, Pastor Mike? He wasn't rich. You see, we're not applying the principles by which we got saved. If we were doing so, you'd realize how did you get saved? You believed on Jesus Christ and you received it. You know what it says right after John 3.16? After it says very specifically that you needed to believe on the Son in order to actually not perish and receive everlasting life? He provided it. You believed it. That's how receiving from God happens. Short, two verses later after that. He says that he who believes on Jesus has received everlasting life, and he who uh, and and is not condemned, and he who doesn't believe is condemned already. You know what that means? For salvation, if you believe on Jesus, you get saved. If you don't believe on Jesus, says you're condemned already. You're not saved. Are we ever confused about that in the church? If you see someone that's not saved, you know, in the world, or you see someone, go ahead and read your Bible. There's a plenty of people that weren't saved in the Bible. Plenty of people. Ungodly men in the Bible. Do you look at that and think, oh, but there are unsaved people in the Bible, so how can I really believe salvation is for everybody? You would never say, hopefully you would never say that. You'd look at an unsaved person in the Bible and say, you know, uh, you, know you look at Herod, for instance, in the Bible. He's not a saved man. And you look at that and say, well, he didn't believe, <laughs> right? When we see lack of receiving of salvation, you know what we say? Well, he didn't believe in Jesus. If, he, if you don't believe, you don't receive from God. And if you do believe in God's Son, you do receive from God. That, that's the principle that every single Christian practices when it comes to salvation. Otherwise, you wouldn't be saved. You don't get confused as to whether you're saved or whether you can receive salvation by the fact that King Herod in the Bible or King Ahab didn't receive salvation. You say, well, they just didn't believe. Simple as that. That's why they didn't receive from God. Jesus provided salvation to everybody. He's the Savior of all men. The Bible says this, that, that the Lord is the Savior of all men. That, that, that verse is in uh, uh, 1 Timothy 4.10. God's the Savior of all men, but you would look at someone that wasn't saved and simply say, they didn't believe it. Let's take those principles over, and I'm done right now. Those same principles apply to, okay, Solomon received the power of God to get wealth. Why? Jesus had to have provided it, otherwise he could not have received it. And of course, he had to have believed on the Lord, that the Lord provided that. 
therefore he received. Sounds like the way you got saved, right? Sounds like Solomon was walking the same way that he received Christ Jesus the Lord. And then when we look over here and see someone that did not receive the power of God unto wealth, or was not healed, or the list can go on and on, you know what we say? The same thing we should say when we see an unsaved person. They didn't believe it then. Or they didn't grow in their knowledge sufficient to receive that. It's so simple. You may not like those principles, but those are the principles that saved you. When you believe in what Jesus provided, you receive from what Jesus provided. He's the access. You need to believe on him. And if someone doesn't receive salvation, it's because they didn't believe on what Jesus had provided. And it goes for anything else. We're all growing in our knowledge. We're all growing in our belief of Jesus. But when someone doesn't receive of the power of God, it's not because God willed it. It's the same reason why someone didn't get saved. Because you need to believe in what Jesus provided to receive it. It's so, so simple. And if we would just apply the principles that you already believed to have saved you to everything else, it wouldn't be so confusing. Hopefully, no one says it was just simply up to God's sovereign will as to whether you're saved or not. Then you have no security as to whether you're even saved. Hopefully, you believe that it was through Jesus and what he provided through faith in him. And apparently, from Romans chapter 5, that's how all the grace of God works. Jesus, the accent into the grace of God, and we need to believe it. And if you do so, you're going to see a receiving from God in your life in any single area. When it comes to wealth, that's how receiving power to get wealth works as well. Jesus did provide it, otherwise no one could receive it, and we need to believe that as well. If we were able to show you something about Jesus today, subscribe and share this with someone else so that we can get this awesome truth out to the world.